Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Omar Perini from A la Carte Restaurant Consulting coming up in a little bit. But first, I am joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Fluff Bake Bar in Midtown, Rebecca Masson. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Living the dream, Eric. <laughs> Becky, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. We have much to discuss, so let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Blood Brothers Barbecue is back in the national spotlight, named by Bon Appetit Magazine to its list of the 50 best new restaurants in America. It is one of only four establishments in Texas to earn that honor, including the uh, Carpenter's Hotel in Austin, Cow Noodle Shop, and Petra and the Beast in Dallas. Hmm. You're a. Have you done a bake sale with the Blood Brothers yet, or is that like one of the barbecue places you haven't done a bake sale with? That's when I haven't. It's it's hard to nail them down because Saturdays are so busy. Yeah. And now they're going to be even busier because this is so awesome. Yeah, they've been on a good run from a media perspective. Of course, they won Best New Restaurant in the Culture Map Tastemaker Awards, which is a, a reader vote, so they've always had a lot of popular support. You were just like the beginning of the... Oh, yeah, we were the beginning, the tip of the spear, as it were. Yes. They got a solid review from Allison Cook. They were named to Texas Monthly's 25 Best New Barbecue Joints list, and they've been featured in the New York Times, so... And they were in Bon Appetit in print, and Food and Wine. I think there's a. I think there's a new Food and Wine article. Is it? Was it Food? I thought I can't remember. It's one of the two I just got because I posted it on social media. I was yeah. like, wait, I know that. I know that. that yeah, it's like it's like them and Harlem Road Texas Barbecue. Oh, cool. And maybe one other in the. I think it's the new issue of Food and Wine. Okay. People okay. love them. So let me just. Uh, it's so exciting. It couldn't have happened to a nicer group of guys. Yeah, and I think... So well-deserved. Yeah, and, and Ryan Lashane has been on the show before and kind of talked about them. Obviously, he co-hosted the episode where they were the guests. You know, they've spent, you know, with those pop-ups at Glitter and, and some of the other things they do, they've spent so much time promoting other people yeah. that now that it's their turn, they have this huge groundswell of support in the restaurant community. Exactly, yeah. And they, you know, it's an interesting thing, right? Because these nationalists crave novelty, right? They, mm-hmm. They're looking for something. So we have a lot of really great barbecue joints in Houston, some of which I might personally prefer on a day-to-day basis than Blood Brothers, not that I don't really enjoy their food. Right. But if you're a national writer looking for something interesting, well, you know, smoked turkey banh mi you know, and just the fact that Titco pork belly, you know, they are brothers. Yes. Robin and Terry are brothers. Uh, Qui is basically like their third brother, even though they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they're not actually related brothers from another mother, brothers from another mother. They're all, they all grew up together in a leaf. Yeah. It's an amazing story and they do have an amazing product. It's delicious. It's tasty. Like you said, it's not maybe one you want every day, but when you're looking for something unique, but because, yeah, unique but familiar mac and mac and cheese, homemade mac and cheese sausage. Yeah, 
you know, brisket fried rice is one of the side options. I mean, the stuff they're doing is undeniably cool. And all those little specials, you know, different, you know, a different special for every day of the week. They're, they've, they've done very well. And uh, I, I saw uh, on Sunday they had sold out by about 1 o'clock. They only opened at 11. <laughs> so they're... They're going to have to cook a little more. Well, they're, I think they're cooking as much as I they... they can. Yeah, I think, I they're, think they're cooking as much as they can. They did add Thursday night dinner service. I saw that. To I go along with week. football season. So, yeah. And they're doing uh, smoked prime rib. Whoa. Yeah. I might need that in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, anytime our local restaurants get recognized on these kind of lists, it's kind of good for everybody. No, it's great for everybody. It just brings a little more attention to our city. But I think for somebody like Terry and Robin who have um, been tirelessly. uh, Easy for you to say. Right. um, Promoting all these other chefs like. Big name chefs, up and coming chefs, pastry chefs who really don't know how to cook, but allowing us to come into their world and doing these pop ups. I mean, I really, it really couldn't have happened to a better group of guys. So yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on this one other angle, but I was a little bit surprised not to see Squabble on the list hmm. because they really liked uh, Better Luck Tomorrow last year. Maybe they were just trying to be fair. Yeah, maybe they're just trying to spread the love around. Right. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, every time one of those lists comes out, I'm like, okay, like, it's awesome that they recognize Blood Brothers, and and I don't really know very much about the other 49 restaurants on the list. Uh, well, Petra and the Beast has gotten a lot of statewide press. Yeah. Uh, Carpenter's Hall is kind of a weird choice because Andrew Knowlton used to work for Bon Appetit, and now he consulted on the Carpenter on right. the Carpenter Hall menu. So that's like a little bit like, mm-hmm. ooh, but they, you know. Yeah. There's I a mean, whole Washington Post article that breaks that down. They swear uh, that he didn't have anything to do with it. I'll have to read that. Maybe it's, you know, I mean, literally, there's a handful of restaurants that could have made that list. Yeah. I mean. Everything open since May of 2018 until you would figure I mean, deadlines what? being what they are until yeah. until probably about June first of this year. Why it was? Did Real open before that? I mean, why? No, no, no. Real, Real would have had to go a couple of years ago. Real. So why didn't Real ever get on there? Right? Why right. didn't Eunice ever get on there? Why did? Well, I know why Eunice didn't get on there, and you, know, you do too. Well, yeah, I do. That's really sad, but whatever. That's the state <laughs> of our world. Yeah. <sighs> We're gonna skip that rant for today. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Topic number two. Dak and Bop the Korean fried chicken restaurant in the museum district is opening a second location. They have leased the short-lived La Vista 101 space on 18th street in lazy brook timber grove for a second location. Yeah. This is your part of the world. I know. How excited are you that, I mean, good I'm gonna, Korean fried chicken is coming to your gonna, area. I'm going to be honest with you, but I only had it once. And yeah. It was purely based on location. Why I never had it again. Right. Right. Now I can have it more. You can have it more. Uh, I think what's interesting is they, in in the original location, he does, uh, Jason Cho is the owner of Dak and Bob. He does some Mexican-y stuff. He has empanadas. He has carnitas. He has a lotus. He's not going to do that at the new location. Instead, he's going to do Italian. So he's going to do 
flatbread and like some pastas. He's been, he said he's been testing uh, bacon and kimchi, bacon and kimchi carbonara. Huh. Are you intrigued? Maybe. So apparently there's a restaurant in Chicago that does kind of the intersection of Italian and Korean food. And of course, David Chang has a restaurant in New York called Nishi yeah. that also plays around with some of those flavors. Yeah, well, he's David Chang, so. Well, I, hey, <laughs> respect to J- Jason Cho. Jason Cho wants to fool around with that, too. Okay. Uh, it's, it sounds interesting, but I think I might stick with just the fried chicken. Yeah, and he will have the fried chicken. I mean, I, you know, I'm... I live much closer to Dakenbop than you do. I don't get there as often as I would like to, but I have never been. It's not because of anything Dakenbop does. I like Dakenbop. No, it's great. I like, they make, I like what they do. Yeah, good, good, uh, good Korean fried chicken and a pretty good selection of reasonably priced Asian whiskey, it's which kinda, is always right up my alley. It's kind of interesting. They're across the street from Huey's. Yeah, they're going to be right down the street from Huey's. So I can... So you have kind of... I can visit almost all of Asia. Yeah, Texas-style, Texas like, Vietnamese food, plus a really great chicken fried steak at Huey's, and then Korean fried chicken, plus Korean-influenced Italian food at Dakenbop 2. Hmm. Should make for an interesting corner. Should- I've been dying for that area to kind of jump up. Yeah, and, and it's it's happening... Slowly. Slowly. I mean, I was just, it, it'll probably be a show topic next week, but I was just at a place called Presley's, a new Southern style eatery that took the, there's that, chi- there used to be a Chinese restaurant kind of where 18th, 19th, and 20th come together Across near Ella. Restaurant Depot? Yes. Oh, they finally finished. It shows how much I pay attention when I'm at restaurant. I'm just dying to get out of the parking lot of Restaurant Depot. So they finally finished that. Yeah. It's going to open next week. Oh, roughly. wow. Okay. And that's going to be kind of Southern food. Those guys used to have. Uh, graffiti's on Washington Avenue. Oh, it's um, uh, it's Fat Boy on a Bike. That's no, no, no. That's, that's Gratify on Fairview. Oh, that's sorry. gone. Sorry, that's, that's sorry. somebody else. Whoopsie. <laughs> but uh, but no, this will be anyway. So that that whole part of the world, you know, Barking yeah. Pig's been a nice addition to that area. They pulled um, they pulled that HEB out. They're putting what a twenty four hour fitness or something. I, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, because I'm not going to lie, I looked at that corner. At, I, I looked over there. I'm not yeah. going to lie. It's an intriguing area. It is. It's very interesting because you're like smack dab in the middle. You're like close to Oak Forest. You're close to King's Heights. Beer House has done very well there. McIntyre's is making money as fast as they can pour it, uh, cocktails. A young lady who interned for me who opened Ashley Cakes. She's in the same parking lot as... Um, yeah, as T and Victory and Kings. Yeah, yep. she makes adorable cakes, delicious cakes. They are good. I've had. So if them. you want one with Elmo on it, go go call her. Don't call you. Yeah, don't call me. Call her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Bungalow Heights. I mean, the original Hubcap Girls over there. It is. It's an interesting area with a lot of possibility, and in some ways, I think if you had to, if you were choosing, you would rather be uh, south of six ten than north of six ten, like where. Union Kitchen, Gatlin, some of that stuff is, yeah. right? If you were, so. That's a busy little corner, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coming up in the world. Yeah. Huh. So, you're in. You're in. Korean fried chicken. Yeah, and I'm there. And, okay. Sign me up. <laughs> All right. That should open. Uh, so, he's opening. So, Jason is also opening a coffee shop in this very building, Tom and Tom's, a, uh, a Korean-based coffee shop. Oh, yeah. You were telling me about that. That'll open by the end of the year. Uh, he expects... 
he expects the new Dakenbop to open before that. So as soon as next month. Well, he doesn't have, I mean, he just has to kind of change the decor. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Turnkey, basically, you know. Bonus. <laughs> All right. Topic number three, speaking of expansions, FM Kitchen is coming to Montrose. Wow. They have taken the former East Hampton Sandwich Company space next to oh, that place Velvet Taco and the Magical Unicorn Dessert Bar. That place didn't last very long? It, I wonder it, why. Because it's not a sandwich. <laughs> so from their perspective, it didn't close. It simply relocated downtown to the understory food hall. Okay, well, there you go. Uh <laughs> Those people don't know sandwiches. I'm just kidding. I'm no, kidding, no. You're I'm still... Kidding. No. I thought Mendocino Farms didn't know sandwiches. Yeah, they really don't know sandwiches. <laughs> Such a hater. I know. I am. It's why It's why I bring you on the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten a Rosie Cannonball yet. All right. Oh, stop. No, we're going to be nice. We are. So I, I have to say, I was, so I was a little bit torn when I, I heard this news about FM Kitchen coming to Montrose because... On the one hand, that was going to be the site, the original site for, they called it a whole bunch of different things over the years. First, it was going to be brand, then it was going to be FM 903, and eventually it became FM Kitchen, back when Ryan Hildebrand still had Trinity, and it was going to be kind of the companion to that. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, the the FM Kitchen on Shepherd, just off of Washington, has that huge patio. I think that's the great thing about it. I agree with you. I mean, the food is great. I love Ryan's food. I've always loved Ryan's food. In fact, Ryan, you need to come do another bake sale because we need another bagel dog. Um, but the 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 outside, the patio, the games, the TVs, like that's FM Kitchen. I agree with you, and it's not going to have any of that. That's going to be weird. It's going to be like it's going to have the same menu, right? They and you know, it was originally kind of a burger place. You know, they. I mean, Ryan makes a better Shake Shack burger than Shake Shack, basically. Uh-huh. That's true. But they've expanded the menu quite a bit. There's a lot more comfort food. There's some seafood. There's... Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a more diverse offering than it was when it first opened. But it's going to have a totally different atmosphere, more sort of pub style, hmm. bar forward. I, I mean... Then call it something else. Yeah. Because I mean, if I look up FM Kitchen and then I go, okay, ooh, I like this place. And then I get directions and it says the closest one near me in Montrose. And then I get there and I'm like, where's the patio? Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's not that I don't think it will, it could be successful. It's just you're doing, and it's good that they're not just a burger joint anymore because they're basically on the same corner as the burger joint, the restaurant, and also Shake Shack. And yeah, yeah. Hey Merchant serves a great burger. Yeah. It's a that's a very busy corner for that's a burger. That's a kind of a yeah. Yeah, burger burger. I never Nexus. really realized how many burgers there were. Oh, there's so many burgers. Because I have like the ones I like. Yeah. That's Where so do you go? Uh well we do get Shake Shack a lot and you know. They are customers of yours. They are customers of mine. But I'm actually kind of obsessed with their chicken bites now. So good. You I can't was, call them chicken nuggets. Chicken I was bites. underwhelmed the first time I had them. Okay. Maybe I need to give them another shot. Well, I've always liked the chicken sandwich, so there you go. Okay. Um, we, uh, petrol, because it's in the neighborhood. Right. Great burger. Um, sometimes we order Five Guys, because those Cajun fries are really good. Okay. Yeah. We, it's also, like, what's, you know, what can we have delivered to the bakery? Right. Because... 
that's family meal. <laughs> have you had have you had Burger Chan? I have not. I need to go down there. I need to I need to do I you know, when I go I just go to Fijis. I'm such a snot. I know, but you, you should mix it up or I mean eventually it is also coming to this building, so eventually you'll have that as well. Oh, okay. Well then that's perfect. So next time after the podcast when it's open we can go have burgers. Yeah. Yay! Like in March or April. But Okay. Yeah. Well hopefully you'll still want me back. Yeah, you're not you're not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. And then Topic number four. I don't, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I do think it's worth noting. Ken Bridge, the veteran restaurateur behind a number of places, including Ritual, Lola's, and Blackbird Izakaya. He's okay. the founder of Pink's Pizza. Okay. A couple of years ago, he sold the majority interest in Pink's Pizza to someone else, but that person has now sold it back to Ken. <laughs> And Ken is going to expand Pink's to other cities across Texas and then eventually nationwide. Yeah. yeah. Are you a Pink's person? Yeah. Yeah. Me, me neither particularly. Well, I forgot. Like, for the longest time, I forgot Pizarro's was down the street until Nicole brought me that delicious New York-style pizza. And so we would order Pink's because it's close to us. Yes. Yes, I am fully aware there's a Russo's next door to me. We, so we've we had would, this conversation before. Yeah, so we would order pinks, right? Um, now I I strictly order Pizarro's. So there you go. Right. I, I mean, I like the quality of pinks toppings. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like the pies come a little bit undercooked. You have to ask for them overcooked. Yeah. Well I, done. I need to start doing that. Yeah, you do. Because the quality, I feel like the quality of the toppings is good. Yeah. You know, some great, um, Anthony, uh, pie pizza came out of pinks. Yeah. And, and then this kid, Edwin, who worked at revival market forever, was it pinks? I remember that. That's all I remember. So, you know, a couple of people have come out of that kitchen. So why don't so can you see it? Pinks, pinks from coast to coast. I mean, get down with your bad self. If you can do it, do it, brother. Fair enough. Not getting in the way of capitalism. All right. Okay, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Becky, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Rosie Cannonball, the new restaurant serving Southern European comfort food from Goodnight Hospitality. That is the team of David Keck, Felipe Riccio, chef de cuisine is Adam Garcia, June Rodil, who, like David, is also a master sommelier. She's now a partner in that business, and then their, their businessman, Peter McCarthy, is kind of the, the money, you know, kind of the financial pers- component Daddy of all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> yeah. I mean, very few... <laughs> Very few restaurants have opened this year with quite as much hype right. or quite so eagerly anticipated as Rosie Cannonball. We talked about their pastry chef, Sean Gall, I think the last time you were on the show. We did, Mr. Sean. He's got a pretty serious resume, roughly equivalent in quality and depth to yours. <laughs> that's, how, that's what we decided. So high expectations. Yes. Yes. High profile. Yes. Just overall, what did you think of Rosie Cannonball? 
because we're gonna we're gonna break yeah. this down by food and some of the other stuff. But overall, it was what you, good. It was real good, or it was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm right. going to preface this with, um, we obviously from the get go were spotted. We then, uh, you know, kidnapped. oh no, I made the reservation in my in my own yeah. name because, I I mean I have known. David has been on the show before. Felipe's been on the show before. I had already been to the restaurant. They they know who I am. They know what I do for a living. Right. And there was no point in pretending anything else. We we welcomed Kelsey um, and Michael O'Connor because they were trying to get a table and we had a four top. Yeah, we saw okay. we saw two of our friends at the door when they got turned away for a table. We invited them to join us just so we could order more food. Right. So and we, also enjoy the pleasure of their company. We sat down at six. Yeah. Finally, at nine o'clock, I said, I have to go. I couldn't sit there anymore. We lingered. Um, well, I don't think that we lingered as much as they wanted to show off and course out. And by course out, I mean bring every single dish individually. They did do that. That was really, I, 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 I can't do three hour dinners anymore after working all day. It's fair. So it kind of, Gave so we, we we had like a we had like a I would say a service experience that most people probably won't have when they go there. Yeah, but then sometimes there was too much time between those each and every individual course. Yes. Yes. So I was a little annoyed. All right. What did you think of the way the place looks? Um, I'm not really that impressed for the amount of money. I felt like I was sitting in Sedona, Arizona. It it it's got these tan walls, that custom terrazzo floor, the there's peach. There's succulents on the wall. Like that there's succulent green fabric in the uniforms. Yeah. Like it just. I've been to Portugal. I've been to Italy. I've been to France. Never really saw those colors. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's a very cohesive looking. It does, right? it all matches. Di- right. It's got the dining room. It's got the bar area. It's got that big open kitchen. The powder coated hand paper towel dispensers. <laughs> Powder-coated, painted paper towel dispensers in the bathroom. Say that ten times fast. But it just didn't... Not wowed? No, I wasn't. Okay. Like, when I first walked into Eunice, I was like, holy crap, this is gorgeous. I I know exactly what you mean. You know, you're like, oh, I can't wait to sit down in that really expensive pretty chair. (laughs) This one, you're sort of whatever. Yeah. All right. Meh. I hate that word. Sorry. (laughs) Food. Um, we ate a whole bunch of stuff. We did. Overall, I will give it two thumbs up. Okay. There were a couple dishes that I was like, I probably won't order that again. But there were more that I would order again than there weren't. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm i with you in the sense that I feel like there's a couple of dishes that are still a little bit of a work in progress. Yeah. But there are some definite home runs on that menu, including... That tortellini with the... Brodo. Oh, the tortellini and brodo with the incredibly rich, fragrant chicken stock. Absolutely. So the focaccia that's not focaccia, but it is focaccia in one small town in Italy. That's yes, focaccia di Recchio, which is this uh, crispy bread stuffed with gooey cheese and salty mortadella. That was good. Oh, my goodness. That, the mushrooms that, were amazing. Yeah, wood-roasted mushrooms with that uh, egg preserved mushroom. egg yolk. Yeah. The pizza was good. I like that pizza. I, I, I want to try the pepperoni. I, we didn't try that. We one. didn't try the pepperoni. We got the homemade sausage and pesto. Which, I mean, the only thing about that piece, I would have wanted maybe a little bit more sausage, but that crust is really good. It's really tasty. 
And you had a good time, and it gets these good crust bubbles. Yeah, I had a good time poking it. It's on my Instagram if you want to see it at Sugar Fairy. Yeah, you poke it, and it, and it bounced back. Yeah. It like I've never bubbled. seen crust do that before. No, it was like I pushed one bubble, and another bubble came up. Yeah. It was good. It was really good. I like the pizza. I like the sides. Um, that tortellini was delicious. Yeah, we had the anchovies with apples, which... Oh, you didn't have that. No, I, I'm not I think that's kind of an interesting combo of like... Salty, smoky fish with like the sweet, crisp apple. I just think that's an interesting. I like anchovies in stuff. I don't like to just eat anchovies. Fair. Okay. Um, There were a couple of dishes that missed for us. I think the rigatoni. The rigatoni and the pesto. I think that's a dish inspired by even the staff meal at Osteria Francescana, Uh. which is one of the restaurants Felipe trained at. It's arguably the most famous Italian restaurant in the world. Even, I mean, like, I could have not eaten the bolognese and been okay. I, you, yeah. I like the bolognese. I like the pasta. Yeah, the homemade pasta was really good. The The sauce was kind of rich and meaty. You thought it was a little flat. Right. There were a couple dishes, like the rigatoni and the bolognese, I thought could use a touch more salt and some acidity. Yeah. Just to make it go, you know, pop. Sure. Yeah. All right. And then, obviously, I have to ask you about the desserts. They were good i like I, some of them more than others right i love the mint chocolate oh my goodness that ice mint cream, gelato, uh, gel- that it? mint gelato that he's making it's really beautiful it's so you minty it's you so don't even need minty. to put the cocoa nibs in it sean you can just give me the bowl of ice cream and i'll be happy <laughs> uh um, the other one i really like is that the pavlova yeah that was really good with this like crispy chewy meringue over like blackberry sauce and this like incredibly peachy peach sorbet. Yeah, that was tasty. That's really yummy. The cheesecake, no. Okay, we disagree about the cheesecake. It's not. It, it was like more like a souffle, which I get. There's some cheesecakes like that, but I'm just I don't like orange either. So that just the whole thing was no for me. Yeah, it's a Basque style cheesecake served warm. It doesn't really have a crust. No. I feel like. I like that it's a little bit on the savory side. Maybe use like a little biscuit or something on the side. Maybe add some crunch to it. Because it's all really, like with the marmalade and cheesecake, it's just soft. Yeah. It's that, that it's got that custardy souffle-like. But then if you're like sure. a cheese person, it's probably a good choice for you. Right. Yeah. And then the, the one that kind of missed for me was that brioche. I don't quite... I didn't get that either. I don't get that dessert. No. Maybe like you were... I don't know. I feel like kind of baba arami kind of thing but not a baba rum like rustic i don't know just eh. i mean i will say we all four of us had a cocktail we had a bottle right yeah we had a bottle of wine yes split for the table and then kelsey had a glass of sherry at the end of the night so we had a decent amount of alcohol like not not like can't drive home, but just like spend a decent amount of money on yeah. as, as a component of our bill. And they comped the desserts, but we ordered being four people who all like to eat. We ordered more food than I think most four tops probably would. Oh, that dish with the, the broccolini and the cauliflower. And the, Oh yeah. The, the roasted brassicas. That's good. That was yeah. really all those vegetable dishes. The, the, the charred leeks, yeah. the charred leeks, the, the roasted mushrooms and the, uh, and the brassica, the grilled brassica is killer. Everything that comes, the stuff that, the vegetables that come off that wood roasted hearth yeah, thing are great. That, they're, that's a genius thing they're doing there. Yeah. That was delicious. 
So, but even when they, so, all right, so they comped the desserts, mm-hmm. but before the tip, um, it was like 80 bucks a it person. It was like 80 bucks a person. Which isn't bad. Which isn't bad given all the food that we ate and what we drank. Yeah. And even if I we had, mad at that. even with the desserts, it would have been like a hundred bucks a person tops I, plus tip, which I would have been fine. That. No. We had a really delicious bottle of wine too. Yeah. A really, I'm, they have. I'm, I'm so excited that David Keck is like Beaujolais, Gamay, all that. Like, yes. Yeah. And that's my jam. Yeah. It was, it was a really tasty bottle of wine that Michael selected. And David says he's determined to have the best Beaujolais list of the city. And I think he, I'll go back. For he that. would know. Yeah. Right. So you would basically, if Veg- you were going back, you would go back for the focaccia, the vegetables, the vegetables. A pizza. Another pizza. And some more wine. And more wine. And mint ice cream. That's a, that sounds like a pretty good... And I'm hoping... Sounds like, like a pretty good meal to me. Very carby, but a good meal. Well, you know, I'm the queen of carbs. I, I kind of hope he keeps the pavlova and just changes the seasonal fruit. That'll be kind of magical. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Right? I'm in I'm in favor of that. For I sure. mean, like ginger, caramel, and pear. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Or strawberry in the early spring or... Yeah. Hell, strawberry in January because we're in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the it props to anyone who can do a meringue like that in Houston. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever had meringue like that in Houston because the humidity, humidity and whatnot. Yeah, gets you. no, yeah. it was really good. That was a tasty one. All right. Yeah, I'll go back for those things. Cool. I, I just, will. I, you know, my apologies. I just couldn't sit there for. No, no, no. You it had been three hours. It you you're not. It's not a. We had a we had a wonderful conversation. We had a great. We had a, a very good meal. Uh, it was really nice to run into them. Yeah. It was but great. yeah, you had kind of hit the wall and there was like that kind of lingering like, are we leaving? Are we staying? Are we, what are we? And you were just like, no, I'm good. I'm and of going. course you had to get up for Saturday morning bake sale. I did. Which of course brings me to the last thing I want to ask you about, which is what's going on at Fluff Bake Bar? Uh, so this week we have a Thursday night takeover. We have Emmanuel Chavez. So Emmanuel used to live here in Houston, um, and then he went to Seattle and worked for some big guns up there. And he came back, and he is working on his restaurant to, I can never say it right, to Tamo. Um, and I think, you know, it's like focusing on a lot on masa. Um, so he's doing the Thursday night takeover. It should be delicious. He did a dinner with friends a couple years ago that was amazing. Um and then this weekend we have Ernesto Villarreal from Thistle Draft Shop. Yes, formerly of uh, the Grove. The Grove. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I love Ernie. His nickname is Junior from when we all worked at Seventeen together. Um, to see him grow is amazing. He's a good egg, and he makes delicious food. And then you know I got a couple tricks up my sleeve working on something. I'll let you know. Cool. Yeah. Becky, thank you very much. Thank you. Always a good time. Yeah, and I'll be right back with Omar Perini. Oh, wait. Justin, you. Let's go to Houston's with Eric. Okay, bye. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Chef Omar Perini, one of the owners of A La Carte Consulting, best known probably for his time as the executive chef of Pesca, the former seafood restaurant in the Galleria. Omar, I, I have to say, I we've been talking about this for a really long time. I know we have. <laughs> I have like a hundred. This is this is episode one twelve. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get to you, but I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Let's just. I mean, you have this great biography. You got started 
cooking it professionally at a really young age. Like how old how old were you when you got your first job in the kitchen? I was uh, 16 years old when I got my first paycheck. Uh, it said executive chef. How did you <laughs> How did you get started cooking professionally at such a young age? So I, I cooked a lot at home. You know, I started cooking probably, I don't know, when I was eight, nine. My, my mom and my dad were both uh, executives from like uh, tech companies. My mom worked for Oracle for 18 years. And so, you know, she was a very busy woman. So it kind of raised me, raised us uh, with a full bunch of post-its everywhere in the house. Kind of like telling us where to go and how to heat up food and whatnot. And so that's how I started cooking, just kind of reheating food. There was microwaves, I remember. Right. The entire time. And there was, we didn't have a fax, but we had a microwave. I remember that. And so, anyway, so, so, so you started to realize like, oh, this, this microwave stuff kind of sucks. Like maybe I can, maybe I can make it better. Well, partially I, I realized it sucked for some things like fried food. And so I was like, mom, you know, fried plantains in the microwave, they don't really do it. Arepas, ugh, so bad in the microwave. Yeah. Gummy. Gummy. Yeah. Good. And so I was like, they're dense. Yeah. They're not good. So mom, what do I do now? And so she started putting post-its about how to fry food how to boil pasta how to cook rice and and so she had a lot to do with that and and i watch a lot of cooking shows as a matter of fact my, my very first cooking show uh commercial started with a very funky silly song saying da, 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 da. you know he grew up watching the the channel and now he's part of it omar perine and blah blah, blah. and so that's exactly what happened i grew up just watching cooking shows cooking at home and then I started working in fine dining restaurants when I was 11. Because, you know, in Venezuela, it's a country where things are possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't have child labor yeah. laws. Yeah, or any laws for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, how quickly did you discover that, like, this is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Most people, when they're, I think when I was 12, I still wanted to be, like, a doctor or something. Well, when I was 11, I certainly wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon, to be very specific. Okay. And I was pretty smart. I don't know what happened. Um, but um, to, you, to ask you decided you, you wanted to make less money yeah. and work harder. But yeah, but study much less. But, uh, but anyway, so I, I think to answer your question, I decided I wanted to be a sh cook or a chef perhaps a week after that. You know, when you're 11, you're full of certainties, Eric, full of them. That very first girlfriend, you're so sure you're going to marry her and have, you know, a bunch of kids. didn't work out. Uh, and I was sure of everything, and, and especially uh, the cooking. You know, I spent a week in it. And let me, let, me, let me explain this. Like, it wasn't just a kitchen. When I say fine dining, fine dining has also changed, you know, within the last years. This was more of a surgery room than a kitchen. Like, there was a room within a room. To every specific task you can think of, everything that Cisco delivers, we made <laughs> from scratch. <laughs> so it, it was a precious experience, and just being part of a, such a high level of professionalism and energy, it it was just very evident to me. That that's what I was doing. So how did you become? I mean, you had a, a very popular cooking show in Latin America, right? How did you? Yeah. How did you become a TV star? Well, thanks for that. Um, I don't know about Star, but uh, I think the whole TV stuff, uh, I don't think it, it, exactly what happened. It's just, it was my dad's fault. It is. Most of it is still my dad's fault, Okay. as a matter of fact. So he's the one who, first of all, supported my my whole idea of, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, work at restaurants every day while I'm in school. And, and everybody in my family, they were not necessarily okay with it. But my dad was definitely cool with it. He was definitely cool with staying away from home and taking me to places <laughs> with, that ha conveniently had a really good bar 
available. Amazing. So, yeah, he's a pioneer of this story, okay? <laughs> but then later, he's like, hey, son, you know, you... I mean, obviously, you know, I was, I was able to make some food, very basics. And, and he's like, you know, you speak very well. I, I wonder where that comes from. You should do a TV show. And see, you, you need to understand the whatever that's 14... Yeah, four, oh my God, 14 years ago, uh, cooks didn't want to be on TV. Or maybe they did, but they didn't want to say it. You know, there was sort of a taboo that, uh, oh my God, you know, if you're on TV, that means you're an actor, you're not a real cook. Those right, you're a sellout, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So sure. everybody talked about it, all this, all my jealous friends. And so, so I was so sure that I was not going to be an actor. And so I, I said this words to my dad many, many times. Oh my God, I am a cook. I am not an actor, an actor, an actor. And one day I told him, just do whatever you want. And so he should, <laughs> he sent an email, I have no idea, maybe to 12 different networks with a couple ugly pictures of me and, and, and saying, hey, I, I, I've got this kiddo and, and he, can, he can dice onions while looking at the camera. Do you want him? <laughs> and we got a response for, from the, that was the top, you know, cooking network in South America within 48 hours with a contract. And, and you know, dollars have always been very valuable in Venezuela. So we, we've managed to sign that very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> You're not still making the TV show. No, I did, uh, I did it for five years. How many episodes are there? Uh, so a season is 13 episodes. Okay. So it's actually not that many episodes. I would just go once a year to Buenos Aires, spend a couple of weeks. Such a hard time, you know, when a site is. Ugh. It's hard being you. <laughs> it is. So there's, so there's wrote about, about 60, 60, yeah. 70 episodes there you go. of this Yeah, show. But, but people still thought that I was cooking every day on TV, you know, even though it was just one week of my life uh, a year. Yeah, that's, that's basically how TV came to happen. And then how I became a, you want to know how I got the title later, the job? Well, yeah, I was just about to ask you how you <laughs> wound up in Houston. Oh, Houston. Well, that's way later. Um, well, First, okay, I went back. It's your interview. Take yeah, it over. No, That's fine. Thank you. Uh, anyways, I, I worked for free in a lot of places. I worked in basically every position in, in the kitchen. Uh, and then when I was about to turn 16, there was a group of, gosh, I don't. I hope they're not listening. They were, I, I want to say they're a little distracted investors. And they thought, well, this kid's on TV, so he must be a chef. And so they decided, well, let's open this restaurant. They were they owned nightclubs before. They were all getting married. You know, they were in the mid-40s. They were like, it's about time we do a little bit of a lifestyle change. So let's start some high-end restaurants and hire this 15, soon-to-be 16-year-old chef. <laughs> and so that's how I got my first job, job. And then after that, I went to Miami, New Jersey, Philadelphia. I worked a lot of places for free. Then I moved to Cancun. I started teaching at Le Cordon Bleu, the cooking school. And I opened a tapas bar, and then I moved to Mexico City, and then from Mexico City, I moved to Houston. Uh, and that was with La Trinera uh, Seafood uh, Restaurant Group. They, they, they hired me in Mexico for like six months, but really with the whole intention of bringing me here to, to do Pesca. So. Yeah. How much did you know about Houston before you agreed to move here to open a restaurant? Uh, I heard once the whole Houston, we got a problem. I heard that. Okay. I knew, yeah, I knew about Altuve. And you know he's from Venezuela, right? Yes, I do. Yes. That's it? That's it. That's all That's you knew? That's it, yeah. That was, and that was enough to make a move to America to oh, open a restaurant. Oh, no, 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 no. They actually flew me in, and and I landed in Post Oak. And, and then I saw around and looked around, and, and, and yes, that I can, I, can, I can do this. 
You've seen Post Oak, right? Yeah. Just just haven't seen the street where I grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> How long? So you were at Pesca, what, for about a year and a half before it all kind of fell apart? I was with Pesca two years after it opened. Yeah. So two years. Yeah, I, we opened in April and I left in, what, March, April? So I was there for two years after it opened. Obviously, I was there much a little longer, like eight more months. Right. Developing and whatnot. So, all right. We're not going to dwell on the... Come the, on. We're not... No, it's not Come worth on. it. Why did I drive this far then? <laughs> I was going to move on to a la carte. You want to talk about... Pe- I mean... No, 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 no. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> well, no, but if there's anything you want to ask, this is... What do you... Why do you... Why don't you think it worked? Why? Looking back on it now, with your perspective as this successful consultant what, what did you what did you do wrong thank you for that um gosh i don't think obviously i don't i don't think pesca was designed to succeed that's i don't think the financial planning made too much sense i think pesca was a little bit too ambitious you know i think it was a super high overhead for a restaurant that i think was very much special occasion um, this is just assuming execution was a hundred percent right that that's uh, impossible right but like even even then, you know, Pesca being super busy just didn't make enough money when it was super busy. So I think that that would be the main thing. But now if we can certainly list many, many other things <laughs> that could have been better. Right. I, I, right. I mean, there just, was there just, was fish bones in the fish sometimes. Oh, uh, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> I mean, um, just just looking at the way. Ninfas renovated it for their purposes, right? Slightly relocating the front door, expanding the bar area. You well, know, all these little things that like there's a couple should raise its address. revenue. Yeah, they address a couple things. Like one, obviously, you can tell right away that there was just not enough seats on that space, you know, to make sense from a revenue uh, point of view. But then also, Ninfa is not a special occasion. Like I've no. been twice this week. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so I um I'm actually very happy ab- about it, even though. You know, you can imagine the first time I walked in that kitchen after all of it, it was a little, uh, yeah, a little uh, emotional. Yeah, a little emotional. But uh, I'm super pumped for for what these guys are doing, what Jonathan's doing, and, and Chef Alex, and you know, the, I think they're gonna they're gonna knock it out of the park. And let me summarize something real quick. Pesca for Omar Perrinet. <laughs> uh, everybody has their own feelings about Pesca. I'll tell you, for me, it was a blessing and a half. Like. I learned so much. I cooked so much. I poured so much passion and love. And th- there, there's, I wouldn't change anything about that experience. Well, maybe a, little, a couple things. But you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, know, I don't know that there's been a lot of chefs that have had the chance to be, you know, exposed to that kind of product and, and that kind of uh, customers, all of it. It was just a precious experience. That's, that's all. Good. Yeah. All right. So, how did you wind up? So, how did you wind up becoming a consultant after you left Pesca? Well, so I left Pesca, and you know I couldn't quite be a chef at another restaurant. There was like an unsolved. Yeah, there there was a there was a contract issue. There was a there was a little unsolved issue. <laughs> we'll let we'll let people we'll let people Google that, and they can they yeah, can exactly. they can flash back to that that moment in time. Yeah, you know, sometimes you know who you marry, but you don't know who you're gonna divorce. But um, nonetheless, <laughs> I couldn't be a chef, and and I thought at that time that was a horrible thing, 
And and now I, I realized that that was exactly what I needed at the moment. I needed to change atmospheres a little bit. I'm obviously still, you know, my number one passion is making people feel special and obviously the food side. But I needed to figure out what should I do or what could I have done that allowed me to cook, you know, to remain sane and also to create a positive impact in, in other people's, in, in this case, businesses. So I, so I decided, let me call Chris Tripoli. And Chris Tripoli, well, you know Chris. I do. Wonderful guy. He's like my gringo father. Uh, he's been a phenomenal mentor and just a great guy to be around, you know. And, and so at that time, I needed a lot of that. I needed a lot of, you know, one-on-one mentoring and, you know, somebody who had a lot of, who, somebody who feels really, really comfortable walking in his own shoes, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so I call him and I say, hey, you know, I need a job. <laughs> 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 and so he was kind enough to bring me on board to work in the culinary team. And ever since I started working in a la carte, well, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One, I realized that there's a tremendous amount of cooking to be done in consulting, which oof, made me feel like, okay, this is something I can do. Yeah, I, I think we, we should probably back up for just a second and explain what you do as a culinary consultant. Right. So right now in a la carte, I want to say 60% of the business that we do has to do with concept development. So we're going to, obviously part of our team is going to create or put together business plans. So that's market research and capital budget and income projections, all fun stuff. But right. what I do but, is But I essentially someone comes to you and says, I want to open a restaurant, but I've never worked at a restaurant before. Right. You essentially your job is to translate like the idea they have in their head That's of correct. what the restaurant is going to be into the reality of like recipes and a menu that they that professional cooks can execute and serve to customers. Correct. So always the the first step is concept development, which has more to do with like documentation, market research, like I was just saying some numbers and, and validate the concept, right? But then what, what I do is I'll grab that idea and sort of like using Chris Tripoli's words, bring it from the plan to the plate, like you said. Right. So I'm going to not just come up with a menu that makes sense from a concept point of view, but that can be consistently executed, hopefully at a profit. Right. <laughs> and so ideally, I, yes. ideally, you know, and so creating all product management tools, inventories, recipe costing, pricing strategies, and also like coaching whatever team it is through that process because they need to understand all of this, you know. Right. So so let's be let's be just a little bit specific. Like I ate at. Radinare, which is an Italian restaurant in the Woodlands. Correct. Last week, that's one of your clients. That's correct. Dr. Frank Mancuso. Morello. Morello, thank you. Excuse me. Dr. Dr. Frank Morello, radiologist, mm-hmm. had a bunch of family, like a desire to open an Italian restaurant and a bunch of family recipes. That's correct. How do you take, how do you, how do you take the family recipes and turn that into the Radinare menu? Well, you first need to turn off something that very few chefs have. It's called ego. <laughs> you know? Right, because you're not going to get credit, <laughs> right? Like, you kind of operate behind the scenes. You're not going to get credit for that. Yeah, you're, like, helping me out here, actually, because I'm, I'm used to, for the last almost two and a half, three years, to do family recipes. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we don't we're not in the business of taking credit anymore. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's, that, that's what I do. I basically immerse myself in whatever concept this is. There's a lot of research involved. Uh, it, and if a concept is just complicated enough or maybe too ethnic that I won't understand it, I will bring somebody else, you know, to work with us. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask is, yeah, I mean, yeah. did you know Italian food? I mean, like, how do you? Well, yes, I knew Italian food. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like, are there like, 
I mean, well, you're you're working on uh, Musafer, right? I'm working in in quite a few projects, right? We're, I'm working in Musafer. I'm working in Victoria House in San Pedro Belize. Uh, we just did work at Emmaline. We work. You're uh, working on Traveler's Table. Traveler's Table for sure. Culture in Laredo. Uh, Chuck and Patty in Midland, Texas. But but right. But so an Indian restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to do all this really specific Indian regional cuisine. Like, how do you how do you immerse yourself into that to be helpful to them? That's a good. That's a really good question. So that's why the company is called a la carte because that's exactly where it is. You get whatever you need. We always want to make like the best use of people's uh, funds and also our time. And so in Musafir, you know very well the culinary team is robust. All those guys, I know them very well. Uh, let's just talk about Mayank uh, as an example. He's a chef. He's a really close friend of mine. He don't need any help <laughs> in the culinary. Right. He knows. Sense. He knows what the recipes. He knows are. what the recipes are. And so our our. Uh, role in that case is very different it's more operations it's more market uh, related it's more you know financial uh, related and in some projects is very much culinary and some projects is much less so that's why uh well the company right now it's ashley rosenfeld she's my business partner and, and i and, and and that's why i feel like we do such a good team you know <laughs> it's not just you know the two of us but she's like perhaps one of the most intelligent ladies i've ever met and she's the smart one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you already know me, so I don't need to tell you what I do. <laughs> you and bring so, enthusiasm, yeah, and yeah. A, and a and a good set of knives. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I know how to keep them sharp. That's yeah. it. So yeah, that's 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 why we do. I feel like we do so well because we're able to, you know, know a little bit about everything, or actually just know about everything, without just me being an expert on everything or Ashley. And, and like I said, we're not, we're not scared to n- say or call out the things that we don't know. That's what we like to engage people from time to time and very specific uh, consulting duties. Do you, do you ever turn anybody down? Do you, yes. Does somebody ever come to you and it's like, it's so hopeless that you're like, uh, no. Yes. Actually, I, I, I heard, a, uh, I was watching a, a video, a TED talk today and I heard something that I wanted to, I wanted to, bring to today's conversation and they said we need better fences at the top of the cliff rather than more ambulances at the bottom yes that should be like a restaurant consulting quote yeah and so uh yes for a couple reasons we sometimes we don't take jobs one is sometimes you know their volume is just very very small you know and it's like it doesn't feel right to take any fee from a company that's you know struggling so much to take home almost no money right so we sometimes we just tell them what to do or we just help them as much as we can or, or have them in a very very small hourly retainer for the most part um you know if if we're not in a position to help then we'll we'll tell them we can also sometimes we just don't have the time and uh, which is a phenomenal problem to have no no but I'm, I'm talking about like the people who are like so nutty and have so little prior knowledge that you're like no we don't think you should open a restaurant so this is Oh, you're talking about for openings. Yeah, when someone yes, comes to you and says, I want to open I want to open a new restaurant. This is my business. This is my concept. This is my business plan. You just look at them and you go, No, you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. Yes, we we, we do. And and we're getting even better at it as the time <laughs> goes. You know, because the the truth is anybody can now I know this. Oh my god, I know this. Everybody can operate a restaurant or own a restaurant, but not everybody should. Right. I want to know, know about one time, you don't have to name any names, obviously, but like, what did somebody come to you with that you said, no, we're not, 
We're not going to so help you somebody with that. that does not have the time to run a business is not a good idea. You know, if you don't have the like a, a restaurant with such small margins, like everybody knows, you know, it's a machine that you're going to put a lot of one dollar bills and it's going to give you some 12, 15, 10, nothing cents. In the yeah, bottom. there's the old, the old yeah. joke about, you know, how to make a little money in the restaurant business. <laughs> start start with a lot of money. Start with a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. So uh, with such small margins, if you don't have the time to work in the restaurant, we're going to try to talk to you about it. Big time, you know. One second, if you think it's a really great investment, uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna try to talk to you about it because it's, it's not you know, like it's not, or at least it's not the best, you know, investment. Right. There are there are easier ways to make money. Oof. Yes. And so we will try. As a matter of fact, I think we spend a lot of our time in our initial consultations try to talk people out of it. Really, but why do you want to open a restaurant? Have you ever worked in a restaurant? I do not understand. Not that I'm necessarily complaining because that's what we live of, but there. I do not understand why people spend their entire lives in some other industry and then they were able to gather a couple million dollars and they're like, I have an idea. Let's retire and open a full service breakfast, lunch, and then a restaurant. <laughs> right. right. So you would be better off taking that pile of money and lighting it on fire. That, I mean, that's essentially that's well, essentially what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. You got that right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we do. We do try. But you know what? A lot of times we can't talk them out of it. And then we're going to do our best to, to help him. In other words, we're going to help him and we're going to try to build that fence on top of the cliff. And we're going to try to mitigate as much of the risk as possible. And we're going to try to check all the boxes so they have the same opportunities, you know, that yeah. other players would have. Uh, and, 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 well, there's a lot to that. So, have you done enough of this that you... Is there a dream project? I mean, is there is there some concept that you're waiting for someone to come to you with? Like, have you done have you done like a steakhouse or do you do is there is there some style of restaurant you haven't done yet that you really want to There's do? There's a restaurant I want to do personally. Oh my god! But no, I'm no, just just to just to no, no. I'm coming to that question. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. But is there is there a style of restaurant that you haven't consulted on yet that you would really like to do? Like. You haven't done barbecue yet, but you're just waiting for the right person to come along and offer I that I think to you. you you probably hit the, the, the target right there. I haven't opened a barbecue place, and I would love to because, well, especially the ones that don't make sense for me to open are the ones that I'm more passionate about. You know, sure. Like I go to work a little on a Thai concept and, and Chinese concepts, and those are concepts that would have never, you know, crossed my path otherwise. So those are the ones that are most exciting to me. Obviously, Venezuelan. I'm 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 waiting for that investor. <laughs> Altuve, if you're there. <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, do you think you'll consult forever, or do you aspire to own your own restaurant at some point? I think I will consult forever, and I think I will also open restaurants. Did that answer your question? A little bit. What do you want to you You think it'll be here? Like, what do you What do you want to do for yourself? Well, what do you oof. What do you think about like three three margaritas in? What do you start fantasizing about? Uh, <laughs> Restaurant wise, just just in terms of your professional life. Don't you love stereotypes? Well, I grew up drinking rum, but let's say I had Fair three enough. rums. <laughs> but um, you know, I am fascinated with flowers, and I saw this concept in Panama, and then I was like, I really want to do this concept, uh, but make it my own. I wish I had like I think there's something like that, but like a combination between a flower shop and a restaurant. I think I would love that. Uh, what else? I like to just cook whatever I want. You know, I would like to use yeah, like my a, ego again. Right, thirteen you know? cent, thirteen seat tasting menu, that kind of. Maybe not thirteen. No, I'm thinking more like 
50, 45 to 60. Okay. I'm obviously not planning on making any money, so I need to continue consulting. <laughs> right. Um, there's, there's one other thing I want to ask you about. This, this business, Your Role in the World, has brought you into contact with a lot of, a lot of famous people. And people who follow you on Instagram may have noticed that you occasionally showed up in Kennebunkport, Maine. And so I just feel obligated. I just, I just have to ask you a little bit about how did you, how did you come to meet the Bush family, and what was it like cooking for them? Gosh, <laughs> oh boy. Well, you know, I, I never talked about this before. <laughs> right, and I and I've tried to get you to talk about it before, and you told me no. Yeah. Um, well, and let me explain why. You know, the reason why I didn't want to talk about it is because, well, I didn't want to take any. I don't know how to say this advantage of the situation you know like sure at the end of the day cooking is the same regardless of who you're cooking for you know like the process is the same i don't think you get much more credit for cooking for one person than another but anyways last year i was um very lucky that i got a call and i was well through via email i was asked to uh, do private chef work for a very high profile couple and i was seriously thinking not to do it because that's not what i what I like doing, but then they explained to me that their uh, Mrs. Barbara Bush and former President Bush's chef had had a uh, heart condition, had to go to the hospital, so I, they, they asked me to cover for them. So from Monday to Saturday, lunch and dinner, I was their personal cook. That's, that's what happened, but that all happened in the middle of other consulting gigs, so there was a lot <laughs> going on. So how long, how long did that last? Was that five months, maybe? And then, I mean... Well, you know why it ended. <laughs> I do know why it ended. Do you... I mean, were they... Did you have a lot of personal interaction with them? Were they nice? Were they... They were incredible. They treated me as, you know, as an, almost like as another, another family member. I, you know, they... I have tons of really incredible memories. I, I want to make a disclaimer right now. I don't know anything about politics. Neither Venezuela or U.S. Like, right. I've never not, even I'm voted. Not, I'm not... A, I'm, <laughs> You know, so just so you know, I don't know what anybody in this country uh, politically stands for or whatever that means. I, I can only tell you as human beings, they were, you know, outstanding to me. And well, and, and they have a they have a, a a role in the life of the city of Houston that sort of transcends whether people agreed with them politically or not. Yeah, they were just great people, really. All right. So was there a favorite thing that you cooked for them? Um. President Bush' favorite thing, in my opinion, to eat was uh, onion soup. Okay. He really liked desserts. And she loved vegetables. She loved to make him eat vegetables. <laughs> but not broccoli, very famously. He doesn't eat broccoli. Not broccoli. Nope. No, I have a couple of stories about me not knowing that story. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I don't, I'm not informed. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, I mean, did you enjoy Maine? I mean, I you know, I have a personal connection to, to Maine. I have family up there. I, I didn't have one, but I do now. It's an incredible place. Oh, my God. Like, you want to retire there. If that if retiring, retirement it's something I will ever do, I think I'll probably consider it. It's a, it's a beautiful place. It's yeah. very cold in the winter. You don't want to retire. You just want to spend your summers there. You don't well, actually want to retire there. Also, retirement has, like, the concept of retirement has changed. I think Chris Tripoli can tell you about it, too. <laughs> 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 you know, like, 
Yeah, no, people don't retire and don't do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, nobody just nobody just retire like stops working and like chills Correct. out anymore. Correct. Yes. But um. Anyways, I guess just to summarize that, it was just an incredible ex- personal experience, cooking experience. It was just as you know, maybe right. just as challenging as, as any other one. But um, the 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 personal uh, what you might call it, I took home a lot of great things from that. You know, and things that I would treasure for my entire life. And and I and I will say something. The reason why they contacted me is because they reached out to a food critic, uh, and she gave out uh, m- multiple chef names, and and one of those names was mine, and that's how they picked me. And is Fedra Cook, so she's oh so okay. I, I, I Fedra's a friend of the show. She's been on the show. Yeah, before. so she she, she 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 got me to talk about it. Um, I need to give her credit because thank you, Fedra. <laughs> that's for you. All right. Well, that brings me to the end of my questions. As you. Uh, you may know I, I finished this with what I call the lightning round. Okay. Five easy questions, five short answers. Oh, boy. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Omar, what is your favorite cookbook? Uh, Secrets of Ice Cream. <laughs> what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Juanes. <laughs> I, I think we all know the answer to this. Who's your favorite Houston sports figure? Oh, um, yeah. It's um, Altuve. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's correct. Um, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Whataburger. And when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what toppings do you get? What is your go-to order? Uh, I'm so boring. Margarita. Yeah. Yeah, I'm All right. Guy. Give us your Instagram and the website for a la carte and, and all that stuff. So uh, our website is a la carte consulting group.com. There's two G's. I know it's a little I will, long. I will link to that in the Culture Thank Map you, article. A yeah. domain is from 1996. So that's, you know, why yeah. is that long? Uh, and my Instagram is at OJ Pereni. That's my um, Green Girl translation. It's Perene. No, you know, nobody. Yeah. Pereni. OJ Pereni. And, that's, and our, our Instagram is the same thing. So a la carte consulting group. Okay. Uh, just. Reach out. We want to build those fences. You know, at the end of the day, I want to say <laughs> we want to keep the we want to yeah. keep people from going over the people, cliff. Yeah, we don't need more ambulances at the bottom. <laughs> a, and, and we, you know, we're a restaurant consulting firm. Right? We're not magicians. We're not going to do the restaurant for you. The restaurant starts and ends in ownership. So the only the real difference between a great restaurant and a not so great restaurant, it's a great owner or a not so great owner. We can only provide the tools, and and we're happy to to do so. You know, like I'm super excited to do this job. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you for letting me. All right. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at eSandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.